He's an OSINT analyst here at LifeRap. He advises Fortune 500 companies on how to use social media to safeguard their operations. Today, we're exploring the world of alt tech social networks and the type of threats they pose to businesses. Spencer, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Rob. Let's just dive right into uh, the topic and start with the basics. What are alternative social networks and why are they relevant to security professionals? Well, alternative social networks is kind of a blanket term to the social networks that we're seeing take hold of larger user bases kind of on the fringes of those internet spaces. For example, some of these channels may have been around for a couple of years now, but we're seeing an uptick recently in places like uh, Gab.ai. Um, Parler is a new channel that's kind of taken the media by storm recently. So those are, that's what would fall under the, uh, the umbrella of an alternative network, those fringe channels that don't, um, don't identify themselves as big tech. Gotcha. So just even peeling back further, what kind of inspired the creation of these websites? If we have more of the mainstream ones like Twitter, Reddit, uh, what is the purpose that these alt tech kind of companies provide? Well, in the past year, especially, we've seen kind of an increase in moderation from these large mainstream um, tech companies and media um, boards. And these alt browsers are kind of a step in the other direction for a lack of moderation. So they believe typically in kind of a free speech moderation platform and a less restrictive terms and services of what their users are allowed to post and share and what will be tracked. So a lot of them don't follow any kind of business model. Some don't even have, or for a long time, such as 4chan, didn't have any full-time employees um, up till after 2012. Um, and they still have the belief that these sites should be unmoderated. So 4chan, for example, or 8chan or 8kun, which are kind of its cousin sites, these um, anonymous chan boards, as they're called, they do have um, anonymous mods or janitors, as they call them. But these janitors, their primary job is to remove, you know, really illicit material and kind of avoid the wrath of the feds. So there is that type of content moderation. Otherwise, there is almost nothing that will be entirely moderated for keyword choice. And so deleting and maintaining a lot of that data is, um, is critical for these, for these sites. When I was doing research for this interview, a lot of the media coverage surrounding alt tech it tends to be extremely negative in a lot of the mainstream outlets. So you'll see things like the main focus is mass shooters or neo-Nazis or clan members. And there does seem to be some of that presence on these sites, but is that is that fair to categorize all the activity on these types of platforms like that? Or is that kind of not really a fair representation? That's a really good question. I don't think that is a fair representation, it's certainly out there. Um, but a big thing to remember about these fringe sites is that it's just the result of the human nature in this big sea of the internet. You know, these are groups of people searching for like-minded individuals. Places like 4chan um, and even Reddit are just vast boards of different hobbies and interests and topics. So to say that they are all of a certain political ideology um, is just misinformed. However, with that lack of moderation, as I was saying, and with that kind of um, emphasis on topics and um, content not being deleted, there comes with it this abrasive and the potential for a kind of radical ideology, for sure. Yeah, it seemed to me when I was browsing some of these platforms, it, it kind of runs the gauntlet. There's some fringe activities that are kind of questionable, and then there's just stuff that's 
uh, you know, it could be re religious kind of stuff or you know, more mainstream political, like really kind of that border between the mainstream and the fringe, depending on the platform specifically. Yeah, well, it's also user driven, right? You know, anyone's Twitter experience is going to be different from the next user, um, just like it's going to be on a lot of these fringe websites. They may not have the same kind of high user rate. And a lot of them, a lot of these users are actually bots or recycled accounts. But a big takeaway would be to just my my advice is to go and check out these new spaces as they emerge for yourself. Um, try to find groups and conversations that are appealing to you and notice how each channel differs from others. You know, you're going to be searching for similar things across channels and you'll notice that the lens that you're given will, will change and the people and the topics and the information that exist in different spaces will change. And so the best way to get that kind of sense and is, to, is to really dip your foot in that water. So I think it might be helpful then just to kind of take maybe a tour around the Alltech ecosystem. Uh, why don't we start with Gab, which is something that you've talked a lot about extensively. Uh, why don't you tell me more about that site? Uh, sure. So Gab's been around for a little while now. It uh, started in, I think I'd say, at least 2016. And in 2016, I know that because the leader was in trouble for harassment threats towards his founders. And it was created as this free speech alternative to Twitter initially. So the platform functions a lot like Twitter with community upvotes being the primary form of moderation on the site. And it, that site, uh, Gab, has seen a lot of um, threats of terror, um, direct threats of violence um, in the past. However, those are banned from Gab currently although there does seem to be kind of loose moderation as 5.4% of all Gab posts include a hate word currently. By comparison, Gab has 2.4 times the rate of hate words compared to Twitter. Like I said, so that kind of borders on mainstream and fringe depending on... What yeah, so it's, it's, in, it's just an interesting note that the, that the Twitter uh, moderation system would be removing more of that content versus Gab is not. Now the Gab founders have been making a lot of headlines with their new Decenter browser. Uh, something I'm surprised isn't making more waves within the security community or something they might be familiar with. What's what's that about? Yeah, that's a really good uh, segue. So Gab and a lot of these other kind of fringe platforms like the idea of stepping away from the monopoly that a lot of these other media channels may have like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, they feel that there is a monopoly of the big tech. And so they want to create their own monopoly in the fringe world. So as a result, Gab has kind of in a first step created Decenter, which is a browser with a comment system. So to kind of understand how that would work, um, you have to understand how it was made. So Decenter is based on the Google Chrome browser Chromium and Google created this browser which is an open source project, meaning anyone can take a copy of that computer code and modify it however they see fit. And even if they don't like you doing that, um, it poses no legal issues. Other browsers that use the Chromium browser include Edge, um, Brave, and Opera. And so Gab actually took the Brave browser, which is a copy of the Chromium browser, and added a comment system to all of the web pages that is viewable by other users. So users are able to comment on the search results of a page, the reviews 
within a review of a page, um, and these comments are only visible to other users viewing that same page, also using the Dissenter browser. So this kind of creates a small outside of view echo chamber for these fringe users. People in Google, people on these other sites that may be commenting their own information on a public social media website um, don't see the dissenter comments that would be overlaid, but they may be there. So dissenter is an example of these new emerging ways that, that these groups are trying to expand their influence and the spaces that they're able to have a presence really. So just make, correct me to make sure I have this right. So dissenter almost serves as like a secret comment section for every web page on the internet that I can't see if I'm just on my Safari or Chrome browser. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's kind of ominous. Um, it's literally just think of it like if your Chrome browser had a little comment section in every result it would ever bring up from your from search results to a Google search to comments on a YouTube video, there would be a separate section of dissenter comments available for you to view and vote on. Right. So since we're on the topic of alt tech social networks, I'd be remiss not to mention Parler, which obviously got a lot of headlines with the January Capitol riots. Is then then there's the headlines that it got taken down and then it comes back up. What's what's the status with Parler? What's what's that about? And is this still relevant to security professionals right now? Currently, Parler is um, is a functioning, running channel. They had to go pretty great lengths to get it up and running again, and they definitely saw a suffering from. They saw a loss in usage as well. They suffered in that sense. Um, in January 2021, they had 15 million users. Now those numbers are less than a third, I believe, and still declining. If you were to do that kind of dip a toe in the water and try to establish yourself on Parler, you'll find it extremely difficult to even just use the site, navigating the site and kind of establishing any kind of community on Parler is, um, is difficult as it stands right now. That plus Amazon announced that it would suspend Parler from their web services on January 9th earlier this year. And um, as a result, they've had to kind of manage and mismanage their data and cloud services. And so they've had a lot of trouble finding a domain. It's likely that Parler may go down again, and we may see more issues with their moderation and um, legal issues with holding a domain. But as of right now, it's it does stand and it's a it's somewhere worth investigating. It's an interesting placeholder for for that for those fringe spaces. And something to remember with where they come and go, you know, at this rate of disappearing and reappearing and, you know, are they, um, are they going to stick around there? There's a human element to it. They're not, um, they're not robot entities. These are people generating these sites and those people aren't going anywhere. These conversations are still happening, whether or not they're going on on parlor or wherever they are. It's just a matter of finding where they went to next. For people who haven't been on parlor before, what would you compare it to? Is it, is it kind of like a Twitter knockoff with a different, different coat of paint? Yeah, that's exactly what I would compare it to. It's very similar to kind of the way that Gab functions as well. Um, Twitter kind of hit the nail on the head with their model of the character limit and just posting and that follow post model of text with the option of sharing media as opposed to media focused like Instagram. So 
um, a lot of entities on the, on the fringe that are creating their own channels have been following Twitter's platform for a while. Parler, Gab, even ones like uh, Signal or, no, sorry, not Signal, that's my bad, Minds or MeWe are great examples that are very similar, kind of blur the line between that Twitter, Facebook sort of um, social media spaces. They function very similarly. Right. And you're kind of segueing into this, but uh, the other thing I wanted to ask, what other sites in the alt tech space have really caught your attention during your investigations? Well, Minds and MeWe, the ones I just mentioned, are really interesting new sites that have kind of popped up in the past in the past year. And they, MeWe, for example, saw a two hundred and fifty percent increase at the beginning of this year. These sites, you know, MeWe founded in 20, 2012. They're not emerging new, but they're they're emerging in the sense that their user base is increasing and um, it's becoming important to understand just exactly who the people are that are in these spaces and what kind of information is being passed from account to account and if they what investigations would find that valuable. I mean, from my previous research in the space, looking at, you know, there's been a lot of turnover of sites in this category. A couple of years ago, you would see a company pop up. Uh, it would get deplatformed by protests, either from a mainstream service provider like Visa or something like that, and these sites would come and go. But now what you're kind of seeing is, especially with sites like Gab, building out their own you know, crypto payment system, building out the, their own servers and, and not relying on other providers. They, they seem to be developing a lot more staying power, whereas you could kind of dismiss a lot of these sites four or five years ago that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case anymore. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, that's exactly it, what they're, they're trying to do. That staying power is really valuable to them because they've seen that the effect that it can have and the weight that it has for something like, you know, social, true social change with, with a channel like Twitter, they want to try to replicate that. Channels like uh, BitChute, for example, use that kind of crypto moderation for with an actual kind of currency that's supposed to be valued by the users. Um, and you're able to redeem that currency for all kinds of things. So to kind of solidify your following in that sense, where they have more attached to these channels is, is a bit of a race that we're seeing um, between in the space, between the, between the fringe channels like Gab and Dissenter versus um, MeWe and Minds. And, and that's definitely a race that we're trying to stay ahead of, but the only way to do so is to keep experiencing these different channels as they emerge and investigate them, not brush them aside as you know we used to. I think that's good advice. Uh, do you have any other recommendations for security professionals trying to get their heads around this space? Yeah, the the only well, the, like I would mention, the only constant is change. So being being on top of the evolving and changing shape of the space is really important, and keeping in mind that there is there's never a moment of stagnation, even if it might feel that way. And the other thing is that like I, I think I mentioned is that all these, all of this information is fueled by humans and humans can't break away from our nature. We're creatures of habit and we need to connect and we have a desire to be seen and have community. And in that, in, in an investigation, that's in considering the human behind the account is an important factor. And that's, it's led me personally to open some doors to leads that I never would have thought of otherwise and really fleshed out really secure investigations with that sense. It can be kind of overwhelming in the tech world, especially today in the world of COVID, feels far away from humanity. But um, it's important to remember that 